Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me tell you about our guest, Morgan Knudsen, founder of the Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings Group. Now that is an evolution of the Association for the Psychical Research in Canada from 1918, as well as teaching the living program for clients. She brings classes and presentations on a phenomenon to a new level. She is the resident paranormal specialist featured on Haunted Hospitals and Paranormal 911, as well as a featured writer and contributor to Haunted Magazine as well. Morgan, welcome to the program. Well, thank you guys for having me. This is, this is wonderful. This is going to be fun. How long have you been doing this? Oh, gosh. You know, it's, it's been nearly 20 years now. Um, and uh, I, I got going or got interested at least right when I was a, a young kid. Um, had my f- a first... I guess what you call paranormal encounter yeah. at the age of uh, eight or nine, and it just it, it piqued my curiosity. Well, beyond curiosity, I mean, it became a passion so quickly. That's what hooked you. Oh, absolutely, and you know, it was it was a frightening experience at the time. But to be honest, I mean, it. I I think even at that age, I was able to see past the fear and and begin to approach what I was experiencing with, with some semblance of curiosity, and I was, I was grateful to be able to have a, a family that supported that as well. Um, so it, it just it, it pushed me forward. To, I just had to know more. Did you ever expect it to be your avocation? Um, you know, it, it's funny because I think there was always a part of me that really, uh, it, it was such a drive to understand it, and it was such a drive to, uh, to just envelop myself in in the information and the mystery of it that I don't know necessarily know whether I thought of it as a job per se, but I definitely knew it was going to be a huge part of my future. And you're a, you're a Canadian. Is there a huge Canadian market for the paranormal? I believe there is. There is, yeah. And you know what? It's so funny because Canada is a little bit different than, than some of the other countries, including the U.S., because oftentimes Canadians tend to be a little bit more quiet about it, where they're very, very, very interested in learning, um, but oftentimes a little bit on the shy side about coming forward with uh, experiences and things like that. So even when I'm teaching a classroom, it's, it's interesting to watch people who start out saying, you know, well, I'm here, but I don't believe in any of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you <laughs> halfway through the class, you've got them putting up their hand and wanting to tell their story. Uh, so they tend to be a little bit more on the shy side. But, I mean, the, the, the contributions that have been made to parapsychology in Canada have just been immense. Did your family contribute at all to this? I mean, is there any genetics here? Yeah, it, it's so interesting because about six years into um, uh, establishing uh, Entity Seeker, I uncovered that my great-great-grandfather founded the first paranormal association in Canada, and I had no idea. And it was it really struck me as interesting because I'm one of these people I don't believe in coincidence. And uh, it, was, it was really fascinating to me that this guy, who was a, a very notable physician, his name was Albert Durant Watson, a uh, very noted physician, very famous guy in, in, in town in Ontario at the time. And, I mean, he put his career on the line for this and ended up publishing two different books, um, The 20th Plane and Birth Through Death. And he was, uh, he, you know, he, he really put everything on the line to be like, look, there, there is more, and what there is can be really, really joyful. And he, he had a completely different spin on this stuff. It's amazing stuff, and you you teach a concept called teaching the living. What is that? Yeah, so teaching the living. I ended up establishing early on because my uh, the 
the, the girl that I, I co-founded Entity Seeker with, she's since passed away, but um, Stephanie and I, we, we began to see these different patterns within the haunting phenomena, and we started to notice that there was a direct emotional correlation between people's state of being and how they are and move into the world, um, the energy that they put into the world, and by energy I mean um, their, their, their em- emotional center mm-hmm. and their... Um, their uh, uh, just their way of moving through life, and when I realized that there was a correlation between the the amount of joy or the amount of you know fear or depression or anything like that, um, and the the haunting activity that they were experiencing, it was impossible to turn turn a blind eye to it. So teaching the living has become about getting people to understand that how they are and how they're moving through the world it has a direct relationship to the type of of paranormal activity that they're getting back. What would you say would be your expertise, your specialty? I, I think my expertise is people, honestly. It, you know, it, it's funny. The, the living or the dead? <laughs> I, I, you know, I think, it's, I think it's, it has to be the living. Um, you know, because with, when you've got, you've got hauntings, whether it be negative entities or, um, uh, you know, human spirits or, or anything like that, you know, there's there's, o- there's only so much you can you can really do and participate with them, but the the people that are are struggling, the people that are having trouble with it, and oftentimes it's a legacy issue. You know, you've got people that have moved from house to house to house to house for generations that are struggling with this. Um, that you know, it, it has to become about the people. Um, you know, we we can change what they're doing. This experiment from 1972 called the Philip Experiment, named after a person they created named Philip Aylesford. Tell us about this experiment. What did they actually try to do? So I love this experiment because I think this is such a prime example of, of exactly what we're talking about. Basically what happened was that the, 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 the research in the decided that they were going to see if they actually needed... Um, uh, you know, a, a person who had notably passed away uh, to to recreate the seances and things like that of the Victorian era, or could they create a haunting without a persona, without that intelligence that's there? Could thought be enough to generate consciousness? And what they did was they recreated some of these these situations where there was a you know a seance and a sitting and what we would consider the the, the typical the typical sitting for a seance. And they would do this day after day after day after day, and they were getting very frustrated because they, they worked at it for about a year, and uh, they, they couldn't get anything to happen. And so when they re-examined the, the, what these people were doing back in the, the 1800s, what they realized was that the factor that they had left out was joy. And when they began to realize that the people were getting together because they were having fun, they were enjoying themselves, they were telling jokes, uh, it wasn't this, this start, start, like, starch uh, environment that what we see in the films. It was a very you know, joyful get-together. And when they began to add that aspect into the experiment itself, within 48 hours they had stuff start to happen. Um, and the, the intelligence to, to grow out of their character of Philip they wrote an entire backstory about who this person was supposed to be. Um, this person had never existed. And lo and behold, they started getting responses to the name Philip. And they repeated this experiment later on with another group, completely different people, uh, that created a backstory and a character by the name of Lilith. And they had the exact same response, so it was repeatable. And 
it was to me it was such a, a a landmark experiment for so many reasons and it's never talked about which i don't understand well what's what's interesting is the group was seated around a table with initial séances yielding no contact no communication no phenomenon they said and they uh, changed some test conditions the person who was responsible for it as you know by dimming lights, changing the environment to mimic that more of a traditional seance. And the participants apparently began feeling some kind of presence, table vibrations, breezes, unexpected uh, echoes and rapping sounds, which matched responses to questions about Philip's life. At one point, the table tilted on a single leg and other times moved across the room without human contact, although the audio and video and witness accounts document the paranormal phenomena, but they say Philip never appeared to the participants, but it was one heck of a seance, wasn't it, uh, Morgan? Oh, it was incredible, and, you know, it was, I, I, I think it was something that was so landmark in terms of uh, the what it was demonstrating. I mean, the fact that they were creating a uh, an intelligence from a seemingly nothing, from seemingly their own projected thought, tells us a lot about what can happen in a haunted home. Truly remarkable the way these experiments are done. I don't know. Are you familiar with my late aunt's work? Her name was Shafika Karegula. She uh, was a, she was a psychiatrist who came over from uh, Oxford, England. That's where she uh, did her studies. But she was a doctor, and dis- she she had seen some Edgar Casey work, and then Wilder Penn, uh, uh, whatever whatever his last name was. Uh, and he got her involved in the paranormal where she dropped her practice of psychiatry to study telepathy. And she did that full time and, you know, wrote several books about it and everything else uh, changed her life. I believe it. Um, my great-great-grandfather uh, was very similar story. He started out as an absolute, complete skeptic, um, didn't believe in any of this stuff. And it wasn't until he met a fellow by the name of Louis Benjamin through uh, a group of his friends who was a channel. And he was channeling a, a group that called themselves the Humble Ones. And uh, he, he was just literally going to sit in the room to observe what was going on. He thought it was ridiculous. And it wasn't long before he realized there was something extremely special going on. And uh, it, it, it was the same idea. It just absolutely changed his life. And the messages that he, that he ended up transcribing, you know, all went into his two books. Do you come across evil entities with your work? You know, it's, it's so funny because with a chunk of my work early on was to look at these these sort of negative hauntings that, that pop up every once in a while, and to start to understand exactly what they are, because it, one of the number one questions I always get is, what what is it? What are they? We don't we don't get it. Are these angry people? Are these something else? What is it? And the one thing I realized really early on was that there are there's no measuring stick for for a ghost. I mean, we don't have a meter that can measure them. It just it, we don't have any. We don't know what they're made of, so we can't calibrate something to to understand it. But what we could do is to start to look at what behaviors that they were exhibiting and what behaviors we were projecting in order to get these different reactions from them and what our role was in it. So early early on, we started to look at well, okay. Maybe we can't answer the question of what they are, but we can sure answer the question of what is causing and what provokes it. 
So we, we've been running into, uh, you know, cases where there's been, you know, biting and scratching and, uh, you know, people getting hit and all sorts of things. But we began to realize really quickly that there's a very animalistic side to these, these entities and in their way of being. And as we moved along with that, uh, idea, we began to realize that there was a, there was quite a direct correlation between um, events that were going on in the space that were a lot of negative focused thought. Um, and these consciousnesses seem to, to mimic, uh, a lot of the, either the damage or the trauma or things like that that was, that was going on in the space or with the people at the time. So it was, it was very interesting. We began to, we began to work from there. What would you call the other side? Would you call it, uh, something that was part of our universe, very normal and expected? Uh, is it supernatural? What do, you, what do you think it is? Oh, gosh, you know, it's, I think it's such a wonderful thing. Um, and I, I don't think it's something that is necessarily separate from us. I think one of the, the flawed premises with uh, hauntings and, and the afterlife and stuff like that is that it's something that's, that's out there versus um, and something that's not tangible. And I think it is it's something that we've got access to more often than we think we do. Um, so, you know, what it is, I think it's, it's all that is. It's, uh, you know, I like to call it source energy. It's the, it's, it's where we come from and go back to. Um, but one thing I have learned about it is that it is, it is, it is really pure positive energy. It's, it's a good thing. It's not a negative. It may have started before physical human life. I, I think it's consciousness at the heart of, of, what exists. Um, I think, uh, absolutely, I, I think it definitely started before human life. I think we were, we came much later. Morgan, what is unfinished business in regards to hauntings and things like that? You know, it's it's it's, it's interesting to, to see some of the shows and stuff like that that have come out because, and, and oftentimes the, the stories that we'll, we'll get back from, from people and their interpretations of things that have gone on. And what I've noticed throughout the academic studies of uh, the paranormal, whether it be through places like the Windbridge Institute or um, like people like you know your your aunt and my great great grandfather, is that the unfinished business has to do with people, the living. It, it's not the unfinished business isn't with the people who have passed over, and it really becomes our job to to clean up our stuff, to to get through the emotional stuff in order to turn around and and access. I think um, you know these spirits that are they're, they've now crossed over if you want to use that term, they now exist in this pure positive energy. And if we want to line up with that and have that interaction, you know, we've got to get with the program. Yeah. The uh, doctor that I was trying to think that my aunt worked with and uh, influenced her a lot was Wilder Penfield. He was a neurosurgeon and, um, you know, he, he started, you know, he was fighting between what he knew as a neurosurgeon, the brain and what was outside of the brain. And have you concluded that whatever's happening here is not part of the physical being, that it's happening outside of it. Well, you know, and that it brings up such a, a, a core subject, I think, which is um, the philosopher David Chalmers and his concept of the hard problem, which is, you know, is consciousness fundamental or is it emergent? And I think where we're coming to with, with science and academia and uh, the medical field and all sorts of things like that is, is we're beginning to understand that our brain really is a translator of, of consciousness. And as we're, I think, beginning to remake the model of the brain, 
and to, to understand it on a different level, uh, Things are coming into perspective a little bit more, I think, for people who are you know, in the medical field. And, and that question is becoming a lot less complicated. Uh, but it, it's still got some ways to go. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.